0: Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, December 2nd. This week's edition, we're going to talk about the conclusion of the federal court trial over Arkansas's first in the nation ban on gender-affirming care for minors, a monumental state Supreme Court ruling, and maybe some other odds and ends. I'm joined this week by Arkansas Times editorial director, Austin Bailey. Hello. How's it going?
1: Good. How are you?
0: am am surviving. So you, i you should be less chipper because you have worked like 80 hours this week from from uh, dawn until the well, are covering uh the the latter half of this federal court trial over Arkansas's uh super bigoted uh, first in the nation ban on gender affirming care for kids and this the the first half, which you covered several weeks ago, uh, was was the defense and uh, well, actually, it, it was the
1: that was the plaintiffs first the, the, the plaintiffs the, the, yeah sure. the folks who are suing sure. over this ban mm-hmm. yeah
0: the the plaintiffs who who had really persuasive arguments and it was often very emotional and this week was just like wacky town
1: yeah this week was uh. So, sometimes mean and sometimes just kind of like inappropriate it felt um, it you know it, it was it was a long week but it was it was fascinating and I felt like it was so important and one thing that was kind of exciting every day is that uh, to be in the courtroom a lot of times you know with local news these days like you're the only person there you're the only journalist there but it was really kind of edifying to see so many news outlets like recognizing um, the importance of this of this case and and investing in covering it, um, so that was kind of added an element of excitement. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, the, the the first half of the case that happened um, at the end of October uh, was the plaintiff's side, and that is. Um, for young transgender people in Arkansas um, and their families and um, a couple <laughs> doctors who uh, provide the treatment. Um were uh and a lot of their witnesses kind of talked about the medical evidence um and the life experiences and the you know the the emotional mental benefits of these treatments that young people can get, um, puberty blockers, um. And uh, more commonly cross-sex hormones to kind of better align their bodies with their gender identities. Um, and yeah, some, it, uh, some of it was pretty tear jerking, heartwarming, inspiring. Um, there was a lot there was a lot of technical explanation of, you know, yes, you know, here's, here's the evidence, here's what we know, here's what we don't know. Um, but then a lot of explainers about how me- that's kind of what medicine is. Um, you know, we kind of go with our best, um, our best knowledge at the time. Um, you know and if, if I have this experimental uh, or not really even experimental, but if I have this this cancer drug, say that I've been using for five years and it's working great, um, you know maybe I don't have um, you know reams and reams and reams of studies yet that say, oh, for sure this is 100% percent great, but it's been saving lives. So of course you gonna, you're gonna do it. Um, so that was really the first week and this week was, was quite different. Um, the state, um, called there's, there were some quacks on the, on the stand this week. Um, some folks that, that really didn't have, um, any experience treating, um, young transgender people. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And you know, their reading of the same medical literature was just really the opposite. Um, and it was, it was a little more ideological this week. Um, and, uh you know, I really, um, it, there, there were a couple parents, um, that, that sat through the whole, the whole thing this week, parents of, of, um, the young transgender people. Um, and I really was, um, surprised at their strengths. Cause I, I bet that was really tough for them. Um, but it, it concluded yesterday and, um, we won't know, you know, because it's a bench trial that kind of, um, sucked kind of some of the drama out of it because there were no rousing closing arguments and, um, you know, no, no verdict was rendered. We'll have to wait weeks or months. We, we don't, we just don't know, um, when we'll, when we'll know here. So,
0: so you're, I mean, obviously you're biased, we're biased. We think this is a terrible law. Uh, so that that's going to color how you read this and you're, you're not a court expert, but it sounded like from reading your coverage that, uh, the state's uh, defense was pretty lame. And did you get Mm -hmm. a sense from the judge that he thought so?
1: You know, I did. Um, you know, one thing, one thing I kept being struck by this week was, you know, how deep in the weeds we got, um, talking about pituitary glands and, um, androgens and, this and that. And, you know, just like really, um, a lot of it was like really kind of just very, uh, the medical minutiae. And I, and, and I felt kind of like, you know, I wondered, is, is this really the appropriate place? Like, you know, we all get to make our own medical decisions, right? So, right. You know, if, if I was about to undergo this treatment, I guess I would really want to know all these things, but it just, it just seemed uh, kind of a, you know, many hours of testimony that 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 were a bit misplaced, and um and the the judge did seem to, um, uh, to 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 kind of wear down. Um, you know, he he mentioned something yesterday that, you know, uh, yeah, I think you've explained this, you know, in detail for hours is is what he said, um, to Doctor Frews yesterday. Um, so yeah, I think we we kind of retread the same ground over and over. Uh. I think that, um, you know, when one really marked difference between the first week of testimony and then, then this week to me was, you know, that the first week it was, it was about identity and, um, family support and, you know, paths for young people to be happy and healthy. And then this week it was like a lot about body parts and like sexual partners and sexual practices and just, it just, it just got real gross to me. I felt like, you know, why is Robin Lundstrom all up in these young kids privates? It just felt, she um, was the,
0: the state representative. who sponsored, Right. She's the
1: one, right. Like, She's the one who sponsored it. And it just, it just felt like almost like we're just talking about two different things. And, and, and what seemed to be on the table this week, just didn't really feel like it was anybody's business. To
0: me yeah um, you, um, the the Wednesday testimony that you wrote about was really fascinating to read I mean I don't, oh, I, absolutely I, I didn't I didn't know anything about uh, you know the the minutiae of uh, of detransitioning and and all that but it had nothing it was there were two adults who absolutely. Had, had surgery mm-hmm. as adults and then decided not to do it. But that's not the issue here. I mean, right. it not germane at all.
1: It, it, it actually, it really wasn't. Neither neither of the people who testified Wednesday began their gender transition process until well into adulthood. One was 25, and I believe one was 28. Um, neither are from Arkansas. Neither were treated in Arkansas. And, you know, it was so undermain, really, to, to what the issue at hand that I felt almost like it was prurient of me to, to, to write about their testimony. Um, you know, but it, it, it really was fascinating. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that, that, you know, most people on the street know a whole lot about, um, about the, the processes that, that people can undertake. Um, so it, it was absolutely fascinating and also really heartbreaking. Like, you know, um, these people really have struggled quite a bit. Um, and, and, you know, I, I I don't know that their struggles are really over, um, but I I don't think I, I yeah I don't think that that their stories their personal stories while fascinating and riveting had had much to do with the the issue at hand.
0: Okay, well we uh, and Dali will will report and talk more about this uh, in the near future. I, I would say uh, the odds are that the the judge will. Uh, side with the plaintiffs but then it will be appealed to the eighth circuit uh the notoriously conservative eighth circuit and could run into some trouble there and and may end up at the supreme court so a long way until this is resolved uh let's let's move on and and talk about uh, another big legal battle and uh that was a, a supreme court decision that came out re- that reversed a circuit court judge's uh award of attorney fees um, in a, a case involving uh, the highway department. So I think on the face, this this seemed like uh, not a big deal, uh, you know, but the implications are really huge.
1: Yeah, well, it was a big attorney's fee, and yes, the implications are enormous.
0: so um. the 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 background is that uh, these these plaintiff lawyers from Conway, uh, Joe Denton and Justin Zachary filed a lawsuit in in 2018 on behalf of some taxpayers uh, over uh, Amendment 91, which voters passed in 2012 um, for highway spending, a tax on high on that that goes toward highway spending. But the the language in the amendment said that it would be for projects up to four lanes, and the highway department wanted to use or it's the transportation department officially but wanted to use the money and had in fact used some of the money for the 30 crossing project which uh, as anyone who's followed that knows is going to be like 500 lanes so uh judge found that 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 case had merit and uh, the highway department had to transfer 121 million dollars from one bucket of money into the Amendment 91 fund, and had the lawsuit not been filed, they would have ended up spending something like almost half a billion dollars, four hundred fifty million uh, from the Amendment 91. So, I mean, a really significant swing, and and that means that you know them not spending that money there, they'll they'll build highways throughout Arkansas, and that will will benefit all sorts of folks, and so. In the case, the, the circuit judge, uh, Chip Welch, uh, awarded the lawyers 15% of the recovery. Uh, so that was $18 million, which is a, a big fee. State didn't want to pay that. They appealed to the Supreme Court and in a split four to three decision, the uh, the, uh, the justices said they're entitled to $0.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it seems to me, I don't know, maybe it's just the pessimist in me, but so obviously the implication there is, well, it doesn't make any sense for citizens who see the government doing something wrong to pursue legal action because like, you're going to have to pay for it yourself, even if they're wrong. And who has, who has that kind of money? Right?
0: Well, yeah, I think it's more that, uh, citizens are not going to find attorneys to take it on because these are complicated cases that take a lot of time. And, you know, e- even the most well-heeled attorney can't afford to devote years of time for something that's going to that's yield zero dollars. I mean, I think the only way that you'll see a legal exaction lawsuits go forward is if you have some sort of public fund that, you know, a nonprofit or foundation that decides to to push ahead against this but that the the whole reason that you have these you know somewhat sizable attorney's fees awarded in in these these public cases is because it it costs a lot and there's a benefit to the taxpayers and I think that that was kind of the the that's the thing that inspired uh a just blistering dissent from Karen Baker uh who Who's who's had her share of, of, of those uh, about? I mean, she called it the decision inane. She said the idea that that saving taxpayers almost half a million dollars is meaningless is inane, and and she said that's effectively what the the majority said. Um, you know, this the majority leaned on that there's there's nothing in statute that says that folks who uh, discovered tax money being misspent or illegally spent uh should should go to, toward attorney fees it, it does say for cities counties and towns but explicitly not the state though and there there in in law there's an exception for that and uh, because this money stayed within the highway department uh, the majority kind of bent itself uh all around and uh, a pretzel to, to get it to, to, get out of it. So I'd say it's bad news for the taxpayers of Arkansas.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm making too much of it, but you know, it seems that there, there seems to be a pattern of, of in Arkansas government where, um, you know, government officials really don't want pesky taxpayers, voters, you know, getting in their business um, there was you know the issue to, to um, make uh, uh, to get uh, citizen petitions uh, not passed unless they had 60% of the vote. It just seems there are efforts to, to make it harder and harder for citizens to participate in the democracy that we power and pay for with our taxes. It's, it's frustrating.
0: Yeah, and I should point out that this this had a, a partisan bent to it. There are um there are three rock solid right wing conservatives on the Supreme Court, Rhonda Wood, Barbara Webb, Sean Walmack, and and they joined the Chief Justice Dan Kemp and and voting against this. So uh and I think in the in the oral arguments, Barbara Webb said something like you know, if we're going to give these kind of awards, maybe I should stop being a Supreme Court justice and be a plaintiff's attorney. So a lot, of, I think there's a lot of contempt, um, you know, for, for that, that was, that that came out. All right, well, let's, let's move on and maybe talk about a few odds and ends. Uh, I uh, watched Asa Hutchinson speak at the Reagan Library, which was sort of billed as a big deal. I'm not really sh- I think it. I imagine it was like a big deal back when the weekly standard was was influential in conservative circles. Um, but it is a place where uh, so far, most of the folks who want to run for president uh, for the Republican Party want or seeking the Republican nominee nomination have gone aside from DeSantis and Trump. Um, so ASA. Thinks like thinks he's got a chance and and gave his his stump speech this week for the Reagan Library and you know if you've watched him speak it was it was pretty much what you've come to expect he does this kind of genial Grandpa routine and um, he he gives off good vibes I suppose if you're a conservative it's interesting that the his his most noteworthy biographical um, detail now is that in his 20s when he was a young maybe he's in his 30s i can't remember when he was a young u.s attorney in the western district he he took on white supremacists the what is it the sword the arm the the arm of the lord i I can't remember something like that um it was this huge deal where there were like 300 federal officers they did a raid and they had done negotiate a stand down and then he prosecuted him but you know he, it gave him a way to talk about that you know he he knows the threat of white supremacists and neo-nazis in in the same uh same week where donald trump had dinner with the holocaust denier white supremacist nick fuentes and and Kanye West, who's lost his mind.
1: Now, was this the same speaker series where Cotton spoke
0: yes, like, so charismatically? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Tom Cotton. I, I stayed up late to watch that weeks weeks ago, and it was it did not move me, though I was clearly not the, the audience. And, of course, Tom Cotton has decided that his audience is not big enough to run for president. But I don't well, know. I can – I was,
1: I was just going to say I can I can top that because I got to see um, a speech at the at the Clinton Presidential Library last night. Um, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton were in town for the Women's Summit, uh, and Chelsea Clinton said something that I thought was remarkable. She said. Uh, she was talking about how when you go go back home to your home state usually people are happy to be home and she said she just wasn't sure how happy she was to be back in Arkansas where she has fewer white rights now than she did when she was 12 and I thought that was pretty poignant
0: yeah and depressing yeah yeah all right well let's let's leave it there and move on to endorsements uh, what do you got
1: well, I wanted you to tell me
0: what... what okay, uh, well, yeah, had. so I, uh, I'm i reading a book, uh, mostly on your recommendation, and I'm not very far along, it's a very big book, so it's going to take me a while, but it's it's Andrew Solomon's uh, Far From the Tree. Isn't that what it's called? Mm-hmm, that's it. Uh, and he, you know, Solomon is this very de- decorated writer, um, wrote for the New York Times for a long time, and this book is about parents uh relationship with children who are different than them Uh, Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: and so he he talks about vertical identities and horizontal identities so um it's sort of all about parents dealing with children who have horizontal identities. so for example you know uh straight straight parents with gay children or hearing parents with deaf children and there's a uh you know there's a chapter on uh children born of rape there's a chapter on transgender transgender children and Mm -hmm. he's he comes out a personal story and that's what the first chapter which i have read is all about um he's gay uh, had kind of a tortured relationship with his parents over that he's also dyslexic and his his mother worked um, really hard with him to uh, kind of deal with that He is one of the most fluid crystalline writers that I've ever encountered I mean his prose is amazing
1: yeah so, it's amazing because he's able to fold in science and sociology and personal stories just without skipping a beat it's it's magic yeah. Yeah, it I, it it's really pertinent too. I, I guess I was thinking about that book this week, um, as I was watching this trial um, with uh, you know th- these families who could not be more supportive of their children and are like totally in on this journey with them. Um, I, I remember um, reading the Andrew Solomon book um i've read it years ago uh there's also a chapter on um children who are who are turn out to be violent and um i think um i think he he looks in, uh, at, at maybe the columbine shooters um it's just it's it's really fascinating as a parent to read this and and realize um you know that your children are are their own people um and you know you're kind of over here on the sidelines cheering them on but you know they're 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 gonna be who they're gonna be um but it's 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 really fascinating i'm glad you're reading it
0: yeah well i recommend it be be in my book club all right well let's let's leave it there everybody stay safe and we'll be back before long
1: bye thanks